Finishing up our series, and you know, I love back to school Sunday because uh, there was only one thing that got me excited about going back to school when I was a kid, and that's that was this. My dad always bought me a new pair of sneakers every time school started, and you know me, I'm a shoe guy. I've got more shoes than my wife, so I was pumped. And then usually about three days into school starting, I was like, look, you can have the shoes back. I don't want to go anymore, <laughs> but I'm excited that we get to celebrate our babies here in a few minutes, but I really want to take a minute and just talk about what the Lord is doing uh, so much during this series, we have discovered a lot about our identity in the kingdom of God. How many of you guys know knowing our identity is important? Knowing our identity in the kingdom of God is so important, and it's a big deal. Why? Because our divine purpose that God has for us, see this, our identity, our purpose flows from our identity. Our purpose flows from our identity. If we're ever gonna do what God has called us to do, we've gotta understand who God has designed us to be. And so we've been talking a lot in this series about our identity, and we've discovered and dissected that our kingdom identity is multifaceted in this. It's that when we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, we become sons. Everybody say sons. We become the children of God. That's Galatians 3.26. But we also get enlisted into God's army. We become soldiers in the army of of God. Now, those are those two verses that correlate. I don't have time to read them today, but you can write them down, and you can see how we become sons in the kingdom, but we also uh, become soldiers for the kingdom when we say yes to Jesus. So I've said it this way. We are not only siblings in the same family, but we're also soldiers in the same army. If you believe that, say amen. We are siblings, and we are soldiers. And can I just tell you today that, um, that I believe that we must be ready to walk in both of those things, even right now. We must be ready as the people of God to walk as sons and soldiers right now because I'm going to tell you, in the coming days, church, God is going to call us to gather as a family, but he's also calling us to go as an army. That even confirms the word that Miss Eva shared about how God's saying go. I'm telling you, a lot of times we think that God only calls us to gather as a family, but in this season, he's gonna call us to gather as a family, but he's also calling us to go as an army. He's calling us to gather, but he's also calling us to go in Jesus' name. So which means that this church, that our God and our general has already started this, but he's gonna continue at a greater pace to call us to gather and to go. That means that we must prioritize our family and our army together. Here's why. As sons, what is he doing? I believe as sons that we're getting ready to receive an outpouring of God's glory and spirit than we ever have before. As sons, I believe we're stepping into a season of greater revelation and intimacy that we get to walk in and a greater longing to be with the Father than we've ever tasted in our lives. And listen, that would be enough. That's awesome. That's just as sons. But hear me, as soldiers, God is calling us to go. Why? Because we have a kingdom to advance. We have a mission to carry out. We have a purpose to walk in. We have a harvest to reap. And listen to me, we have a war to win for the kingdom of God in the earth. And so he's calling us to gather as a family, but go as an army. And so we've taken time during this series and we've talked about identity. Listen, we've even learned about spiritual warfare. How many of you guys know that we were designed to fight? We were designed to fight, and we don't fight physically in the natural, but we fight in the spirit, spiritual warfare. And we've learned how we have an enemy that has made war on us, and he's made war on us because we've been anointed to literally, literally destroy the things that he's trying to do. 
And so we've gotten into Ephesians chapter 6, another great text, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. In fact, as you lead today, you're going to get a magnet that's got the armor of God written on it so you can put it on your fridge or wherever and say, Lord, thank you that I'm putting on my armor because I'm a soldier who's victorious in Jesus' name. But, 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 but we've seen in Ephesians 6, we've answered a few questions about why we're fighting and what we're fighting for and who we're fighting against and even how we fight with the weapons that God has given us. And if I've said it once, I've said it a million times during this series that we've got to remember we have not just been anointed to endure. We have been anointed to advance and win. You have not just been anointed to endure life. God has put his special blessedness, his endorsement and endurance upon your life to advance his kingdom and win in every area of your life for the kingdom. If you believe that, somebody give the Lord praise that we've been anointed to advance and win. We've been anointed to advance and win. And so we've been anointed to win and walk in that purpose and the fullness of the blessings of God. And today, church, I want to finish this series and share a word with you that I believe is real and relevant, and it is for right now. It is real. Somebody shout real. And then look to your neighbor and say, it's relevant. Now, now say, it's right now. It's for right now. It is real, relevant, and it is for right now for us as the sons and soldiers of God in the earth. And I told you a second ago, this word is not sugar-coated today. This word is how I drink my coffee. It's strong. It's, look to your neighbor and say, it's strong. Come on, tell them. It's strong. It's going to be strong today. But listen, I've already discovered, uh, you don't come to this house, and if you're on online, you don't come here for sugar-coated messages. You come because you understand that this is the season that we must be willing to say, Lord, it's not about being comfortable in our compromise, but Lord, it's about you challenging and changing us to walk in the fullness of who we are in you. And so today for a few minutes in this last installment of, of sons and soldiers, I want you to go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to read verses 11 and 12 today. And here's what we're talking about. This, world is re this word is real and relevant and right now for us as sons and soldiers. And here's why. Because sons and soldiers, us, we have been created and called to live as examples. Some might say examples. We have been called and we have been created to live as examples. And I want us to see the text today. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. See this. The Apostle Paul, talking to his spiritual son Timothy, says, Teach these things and insist at how many people learn them. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Notice what he says. He says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. We'll talk about that in a second. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm young. Come on, come on. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Now, let me lay it down for a couple minutes here as we lay this foundation. When we walk as sons and we war as soldiers, hear me, we are called to consistently live as examples. When we walk as sons and we war as soldiers, all of us, not some of us, 
all of us are called to live as examples. Now, here's what's cool. We're actually using this text with our student ministry right now. I, uh, we know Pastor Jonathan and Emily, uh, they transition, and they're, they're back home in Aiken, South Carolina. So uh, I am the interim student pastor <laughs> uh, right now during this season as we continue to look for someone to come and lead our young people. And by the way, how many of you guys know that you don't rush those things? Uh, you, you need to take your time. Even the Bible says be, be careful, be slow in those moments because you want to make sure that we bring the right folks in here to lead us where we're going, our young people in Jesus' name. But we're in a series right now called Example, and we're in this text together and this passage. And can I go ahead and tell you, it's been so good. <laughs> it's been good as we're teaching the young people these things. But I'll tell you on the front end, because I know some folks are already thinking that, Pastor, uh, Paul was telling Timothy these things because Timothy needed encouraged and empowered because he was a young believer. That's true. Timothy needed to hear those things because he was a young believer. But can I, can I tell you something, church? Verse 11, we just said it, says, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, we've gotten to a place as the church, listen, that we don't just need to remind young people, but all people that we're supposed to be examples. Not just young people, but all people. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Come on, come on. That all people we are supposed to be as examples, as sons and soldiers, we are called to live as examples. Pastor, examples in what? You see Paul gives five things. Five things, and I love that he gives five because if you know that the, 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 in the Bible numbers have biblical and spiritual meaning, five is the number of grace. And I love that he gave five things because can I tell you, none of us can do any of those things without the grace of God in our life. But he gives five areas that he says, hey, you, you said you're a believer. You're supposed to be an example. What does he say? An example in what you say. An example in how you live. An example in your love. An example in your faith. And an example in your purity. One more time, talk to your neighbor, say, be an example. Come on, tell them. Be an example. Be an example. And this is, this is where it's going to get fun for a minute. Are you ready? This message, church, is so relevant right now because I'm watching more and more people who say they love Jesus try to live as an exception rather than an example. I'm seeing more and more people who say they love Jesus try to live as an exception rather than an example. So what do they say? Well, those commands really don't apply to me. God wasn't talking to me. He was talking about like you, pastor. You're supposed to be an example. Or, or church leadership. Uh, that's, that's for people that are in leadership. They're sub, supposed to be an example. Like, you know, I, I don't think that God was telling me. He was telling them that they need to be an example in their words. They need to be an example in their actions, in their love, in their faith, and in their purity. How many of you guys know that's not true? He said, teach these to everyone, to everybody, that all believers are called to be examples, that all believers are called to be examples. Can I tell you something terrible that's happened because of that mentality about being an exception? Let me tell you something terrible that's happened. Have you ever heard someone say that a big reason why they don't have a genuine and growing relationship with Jesus is because of an experience they had at a church? I've heard it. I've heard way too many stories 
about that. Do you know why people in droves are saying those things? Why people, there are so many people, they're now saying that story. Here's why. Listen to me. And this is gonna sting, but sometimes it needs to sting. Come on, somebody. The church started to become an excuse when believers started living as exceptions rather than examples. Let me go ahead and say it again so you can write it down. The church started to become an excuse when believers started living as exceptions rather than examples. Hear me today. As sons and soldiers in the kingdom, we are supposed to be examples, not exceptions. We are called to be examples, not exceptions. And just for clarity, what's an exception? I went to my good friend Miriam Webster and we found a definition. Can I share it with you quickly? What's an exception? An exception is a person or thing that is excluded from a general statement or does not follow a rule. That's what an exception is. Can I tell you what I've learned about us as humanity? We like exceptions. Come on, let's get real for a minute. We like exceptions to rules or standards. And listen, a lot of times we like being the exception. We like being the exception. But here's where it goes deep. No one, somebody say no one. No one in the kingdom of God is exempt from the standards and principles of the kingdom. Pastor, are you saying that I'm not an exception? In all love, not even close. If Jesus left heaven and came to earth and put on flesh, gave up his seat, gave up his authority to die on the cross for our sins, do you really think that God's going to give you a pass? Let me say it this way, because you're not going to hear this a lot of places. If you're online this morning, please know the, the atmosphere in the room is completely love. <laughs> Hopefully you feel it where you are today too. You can't accept the Savior and argue the standard. <laughs> Pastor, that's not popular. We're not here to be popular. We're here to be peculiar. Come on, somebody. You can't accept the Savior and then reject the standards. Why? Because he doesn't just become Savior, he becomes Lord. Which means that, becomes, that means he becomes the boss. Look to your neighbor and say, who's the boss? Don't say Tony Danza. Don't you dare say Tony Danza. And if you don't know who he is, I'm showing my age then right now. Ha <laughs> ha. When you say yes to Jesus, he becomes the boss. He's the Lord of your life. And so we have to understand something, church. As believers, we are not exempt from the standards and principles of the kingdom of God. You do not get to be an exception as it pertains to what God allow, calls us to do and live. And we have to see this today. Let me, let me just, this is where we continue to get real. If you've taken the bait of the enemy that you can live as the exception, really what's happening is this, is you're actually living with excuses. If you've taken the bait that you're the exception, what you're really doing is you're living with excuses. And hear me, you cannot live as an example and live with excuses at the same time. 
You're either gonna live as an example or live with excuses. But hear me, you can't do both. Amen, Pastor. You can't live as an example and live with excuses. You can't do both. And so I need you to think this morning, just as Paul told Timothy, are you intentionally living as an example to everyone around you? Are you living as an example in the things that you say? Are you living as an example in your actions? Are you living as an example in your love, in your faith, and your purity? Because you can't live both, excuses and examples at the same time. I'll go a step further while we're on excuses. Can I tell you, excuses are your enemy. Excuses are your enemy. What are they the enemy of? They are the enemy of the intimacy and the purpose that God has for your life. Listen to me. The enemy cannot stop what God has called you to do, but you know who can? You can. You can stop you with these things called excuses. Somebody look to your neighbor and say, don't be an excuse. Come on. Don't be an excuse. Understand something about excuses are the enemy of your intimacy and purpose with God. Pastor, why is this so important? Hear me. I believe God wants to elevate his people into every realm of societal influence in this season we're in right now. Listen, I believe that with my whole heart. God's ready to elevate his people, but hear me. God will only elevate examples. He will not elevate excuses. He will only elevate examples. He cannot and will not elevate people who think they are exceptions that live with excuses. Why? Because he can't trust you. <sighs> okay, all right. Like I said online, the, the, the temperature of the room is love in the house. So understand this. As I'm talking about this today, do you remember we have an enemy? We have an enemy, and do you know what he does? He continuously tries to attack you. Hear me. So you will choose to live with excuses rather than live as examples. Do you know why he attacks you like that? Because he knows you've been called to live as an example. He knows that you've been called to be a son and soldier. And so he does everything he can to attack you and entice you to not live as an example, but live with excuses in areas in your life. And you say, well, pastor, does that mean we're supposed to be examples as sons and soldiers? Yes. Not just one, but both. That you're supposed to be an example as a son, but also an example as a soldier. But pastor, it's hard being an example in the middle of the battle. Who said it was going to be easy? Nobody told you it was going to be easy. Jesus said the opposite. But listen to me. Your greatest moments of being an example for the kingdom are when you're in the heat of the battle. Your greatest moments of being an example for the kingdom are in the heat of the battle. Why? Because the battle is always a revealer. The battle is always a revealer. What, is, what, is it, what do I mean when it says a revealer? The battle will reveal whether you're living as an example or living with excuses. When the heat's on, and you better believe Satan likes to turn off the heat. Where's he going? Come on, he likes to turn off the heat. 
in the middle of the battle when the heat is so great. Listen, the battle is a revealer. It will show you and others how you talk. When things aren't going well, what comes out of your mouth will reveal how you live your life and your actions, how you love God and love people, what your faith is like, what your purity is like from the inside out. But listen to me, even in the middle of the warfare, you still have a choice to choose to be an example. In the middle of the greatest fight of your life, you still have a choice to choose to be an example. Pastor Derek, are you sure? Yes. Can I show you why? Because I got Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Throw it on the screen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. They who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, last time I checked, life can be hard, but I've seen nobody get nailed to a cross or be spit on or have a crown of thorns put in their head, or, or basically take a punishment that wasn't even yours to begin with. So am I sure that you can be an example and in the middle of warfare, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did? If you believe that, some might say amen. Let me go further. I'm, not, I'm almost done. You see, the question that I know is starting to arise is this. Pastor, how can I be an example? Well, here's where it gets good again. You have an example and his name is Jesus. You can be an example because of the example. And his name is Jesus. Somebody say Jesus, come on, Jesus. See, he lived his life as our example so we could be an example. And nowhere will you find that Jesus tells us on this side of heaven to be perfect examples. Why? Because we're not gonna be perfect yet. But I do find that he says this. He says, be persistent and progressing examples. In other words, don't quit. Keep going and keep growing. Don't quit. Keep going and keep growing. Well, Pastor, I wasn't perfect yesterday. Nobody told you to be perfect because you're not going to be perfect. But in that moment, even when you stutter for a little bit, even when you slip, listen, understand something. Don't quit. Keep going and keep growing to be the very best example in the kingdom of God that you can be. And Jesus tells us this. He says that we can be to live as examples. Look at those five things. Be an example in what you say. Let's stop for a minute. What you say. We are called to be examples in what we say. Can I tell you, God gave us the ability to speak because there is power he wanted us to have as sons and soldiers. He gave us the ability, his masterpieces in the earth, he gave us the ability to speak because he wanted us to operate with power because there's power in our words. What does the book, the book of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 say? It says there is life and death and the power of the tongue. And so God gave us this, but listen to me. Just like the enemy always does, hear me, he tries to poison the power that God gave you with sarcasm. Don't you let me go there for a minute. With idle words, with negativity, with gossip, with just speaking death over yourself and anybody else that'll listen. He tries to poison the power that God has given you in your words. Somebody say no. Don't let the enemy poison what God has blessed you with. Be an example in your words. How can you be an example? You ready? 
Speak life over yourself and people. Speak truth. Don't ever find yourself speaking something that's not true. And then go further. Speak Christ-like. Listen, that's pretty easy. Life, truth, Christ-like. Go. Pastor, that's going to eliminate most of my vocabulary. Well, then be quiet until you can talk right. <laughs> okay, all right. Listen, listen, I, I, let me share a couple of scriptures with you. Psalm 17, 3, the psalmist said this, and I love it. I am determined not to sin in what I say. If we, were, if we would just get intentional about the words that we use, could we just pray that prayer every day? Lord, I am determined to not sin in what I say. Psalm 19, 14, I love this one. May the, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Listen, if you pray that prayer every day, that the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart will be acceptable in the Lord's sight, anytime you misstep and say something you should have, you will feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit jump on you. Ooh, and you'll say, Lord, forgive me, I shouldn't have said that. But the reality is, is what's happened We've started living with so many ex exceptions about our speech because of the culture that we live in. And we've made excuses on why we say this and why we say this and why we talk about that person and this person. Listen to me. Be an example in what you say. Let's go further. Then he said be an example in how you live. Listen to me, we are called to be examples in how we live. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. I love this text. This will always hold a special place in my heart. I was in a time when in my life, I was early in my college years. I was not living the way that I should have been living. I went to some small little country church. I sat down, I was on a Sunday. I, I was tired from the game before the, the, the day before. And I sat there and I just got their bulletin and I saw that text. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And, and as soon as I read it, I just broke down even before service and just started weeping right there in the pew. Because I knew in my heart that I wasn't being an example with how I lived. And I knew that God had called me to be an example. What does it say? Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, not just on Mondays and Fridays, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Be an example in how you live. Let, let me give you a tip on how to be an example in how you live. It's a simple phrase. It's for God and because of God. Listen, does it say that everything you do bring glory to yourself? It says, and everything you do, do it for the glory of God. Your life should be lived in a way to glorify God. So, so hear me. It's for God. Your life is for God. But this is where it goes further. Anything that you accomplish, anything that you have in your life, do you know why you have it? It's not because of you. It's because of God. So when you understand you're an example in how you live, well, honey, it's for God and it's because of God. Everything I do, it's for the Lord. And everything I've done that's been good and great, everything God's blessed me with, it's not because of me, it's because of the Lord's blessing and hand on my life. Be an example in how we live, but we go further. Then he says, be an example in your love. Look to your neighbor and tell him you love him. Come on. 
Some of, some of you guys said that out of obligation. I heard it all the way up here. You didn't even mean it. Your love, be an example in your love. Your love for what? Your love for God. Listen, your love for his family and your love for the army that you're a part of. Your love for God, your love for the family, and your love for the army. Let me give you two verses of scripture. First John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. If you're thankful for the love of God, somebody say amen. Your love for God, his family, and his army. We love him because he first loved us. How about this one? 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You want to see how they all correlate just for a minute? Don't tell me you love everybody when your talk and your actions speak differently. So let's back up. If you're not willing to be an example in your love, you'll never be an example in what you say and how you live. If you're not willing to be an example in your love, you'll never be an example in what you say and how you live. But listen to me, be an example in your love. Pastor, some people are hard to love. I know they are. I've got family members too. Come on, somebody. I go to Thanksgiving just like you do. Love folk. Why? What's the Bible say in Ephesians? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. No matter, how, no matter how much evil works through a person, that person is not your enemy. We love people. Be an example in your love. Number four, be an example in your faith. Be an example in your faith. What does that mean? That means don't let your faith be fragile. Let it be firm. Don't let your faith be broken easily. Don't let your faith be something that is there one day and gone the next. Let your faith be firm and secure. Listen, not in yourself, but in who God is. Be an example in your faith. Let your faith be something that's present and progressing. That means it's always there and it's always getting better. Come on, somebody. Your faith is always there and it's always getting better. What does Hebrews eleven six 6 tells us? It says that faith pleases God. If faith pleases God, please don't leave it and don't lose it. If faith pleases God, no, I don't care if you say, Pastor, I've only got this much faith left. Then keep moving with that much faith. Keep moving. Listen to me. Don't you quit on your faith. You're going to be tempted to quit. Can I throw that out there one more time? You are going to be tempted in times of your life to say, this is not worth it. I can't do it. Don't you quit on your faith in the Lord. Don't quit. Don't quit. Look to your neighbor and say, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit on your faith. Why? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? Walk with your faith and fight with your faith. Walk with your faith and fight with your faith. Pastor, the odds are insurmountable. The battle is too great. Honey, if you've got faith in an undefeated God, you will find yourself still standing when the battle is over. Don't you lose your faith. Keep fighting and keep walking with your faith. If you believe that, somebody shout amen. Be an example in your faith. Be an example. In the middle of the battle, your co-workers need to see that you haven't lost your faith. 
Listen, in the middle of hard times, your babies need to see that you haven't let go of your faith. People that are around you, be an example in your faith. Well, pastor, does that mean I've got to be perfect? But let it be present and progressing. Let it be there and let it keep growing. Let it keep going and going. Finally, be an example in your purity. Some might say purity. Be an example in your purity. Be an example in your purity. The purity of your heart, the purity of your mouth, the purity of your eyes, the purity of your hands, and your soul. Purity. Can I tell you why purity is important? Purity positions you for two things in your life. Two things. Purity positions you to live in the presence of God. Because the Bible says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. It will position you to live in the presence of God. But here's the other thing. To fulfill your purpose in the earth. Purity will keep you positioned to do what God has called you to do. If you don't believe me, let me show you one more text. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Listen to me. If you want to stay in the presence of God and fulfill your purpose, commit yourself to being an example in your purity. To be an example in your purity. Five things, all through the grace of God. Pastor, are you sure, are you sure that I can do this? Yes, and here's how I know. You ready? If you will be intentional about spending time with the example, you will be an example. Those are so simple. Prayer, the word, and worship. Listen, if you're online right now, prayer, the word, and worship. If you want to be an example, spend time with the example and watch how God will let you walk in everything he's called you to in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, somebody stand to your feet and say amen right now. Come on. I want to share one more text and then we're going to pray together. Because some people, when they hear this, they say, okay, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. I'm going to worship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand what the text says and do all those things. There's a, there's a text I'm going to show you right now in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. If that doesn't convince you, then, then we're just going to label you stubborn, okay? I want you to see it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Everything. Somebody shout Everything. We could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Somebody say amen to the word. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. 
For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Jesus who has called us by his name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. How can you be an example? Because Jesus says so. He's already equipped you to do it. As a son, as a soldier, no matter what it is, he says you can be an example because I've already given you the tools to do it. So what does that leave for us? That means we have to choose to be an example. To say, Lord, I'm done living with excuses. I'm done trying to be the exception. Rather, Lord, I say yes to being an example. God, I say yes to being an example. Lord, I know, God, that I may not be perfect and there are certain areas that are gonna be harder than others. Lord, but I know what your word says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You've already given me everything I need in my life. And even today, I commit myself to being an example in how I speak and how I live in my love, in my faith, and in my purity. Why is it so important? Because everybody around you needs, to be, needs you to be an example. Listen, we're about to pray for our sons and daughters, moms and dads, grandpas, grandmas, aunts and uncles. They need an example. They don't need more excuses. The world's trying to give them enough. They need examples. Your coworkers need examples. Your friends, your family, they need examples. That's why Paul said, insist that everyone learn this so we can be examples for the kingdom of God as sons and soldiers to do everything that he's called us to.